I think it was operator error in this case. Uh, there are many things which have to be pressed and checked and double-checked, and it uh, turns out I didn't check and double-check everything. But now I have, and now the world is a good place. And... Good morning, and welcome to the highlight of human civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams. There's never been a finer time in your life if you'd like to take this up to levels that nobody can even understand. All you need for that is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or chalice, a and a canteen jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the day. The thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip and happens now, too. Oh, that was good. Man, was that worth waiting for, huh? I hope you were uh, wondering what happened to me, because I'm so, I'm so dependable that you probably said, what happened? Is he alive? <clears throat> no, being on time is sort of my thing. So if I'm late, something went wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start with what I call the least surprising news. This will be my new uh, segment, Least Surprising News. Uh, today we learned that Playboy model Crystal Hefner admits she was never in love with late husband Hugh Hefner. Well, now that changes everything. <laughs> uh, it's about time she admitted that she married him just for the sex. I mean, I, I'm not reading her mind. I just assume. I just assume it was... Pure animal lust, and not it was never love. Never love. Least surprising news. Uh, number two in our least surprising news. Uh, <laughs> you know the story. <laughs> uh, this one is good. <clears throat> Today's going to be very funny, by the way, because uh, all the news is just funny by its itself. Like, even the tragic news is funny today. And, you know, that's not right, but it is. So, uh, you know the whole saga of Bill Ackman being an activist trying to get rid of the president of Harvard because she, uh, in the end, because she was a plagiarist, but before that, it was because she didn't seem to have the right attitude about the Gaza-Israel situation. So, Harvard... Uh, you know, she, she did step down, and so it looked like a big victory for the people who were against anti-Semitism and for some kind of, you know, reasonableness in, in the college. So that was a big victory. So let's uh, check in to see how that went. Um, oh, here's good news. Harvard has appointed, uh, the interim president appointed a, uh, an anti-Semitism task force. Well, that's just what they needed. I mean, that's the sort of thing that uh, would make Bill Ackman happy, right? So they got themselves an anti-Semitism task force. Let's see, who did they, who did they assign to the task force to be a co-chair? Oh, well, um, somebody who has been widely accused of being anti-Semitic and has uh, referred to Israel as an apartheid state. Okay, so they made it worse. They made it worse. Uh, as Bill Ackman uh, posted today on X, Harvard continues on its path to darkness. 
Well, that took one week. Was it one week from total victory against wokeness to, okay, it got worse. The anti-Semitism task force is somebody who's been widely accused of being anti-Semitic. So apparently they're not even trying. But, you know, that's just Harvard. (laughs) That's just Harvard. It's not like there's any craziness going on anywhere else. Oh, there is. Uh, Jonathan Turley is talking about uh, Penn State. And according to their student newspaper, the Pennsylvania student, uh, yeah, the Daily Pennsylvanian, uh, they said that the faculty members are panicked because there's a push to get some, what they call, diversity of opinion. (laughs) Viewpoint diversity. So because the college is mostly left-leaning people, there's a push to get maybe some conservative voices in there. But the faculty says that they're going to quit and it's the end of the world if uh, there are any alternative voices because they love their free speech. Not alternative voices, though. I love free speech when it's about me. But the people I disagree with, no. No, I will quit if you let them have anything to say with my university. So, everybody who's been saying that a college degree is worthless, you're the winners. You're the winners. Uh, did, I, did I mention that all of the news is funny today? All right, here's the next one. Uh, the Post-Millennial is reporting that uh, one of the squad members, you know, the squad in Congress, Jamal Bowman, he's demanding, uh, oh, he has a specific number for reparations for black Americans. Uh, checking his math, uh, he says he thinks the right number would be uh, approximately $14 trillion. $14 trillion. Uh, I like that they're not even trying. <laughs> now, if you try to take $14 trillion from the rest of the country... That's not going to go well. Yeah, no, that's not going to go well at all. <laughs> so, that, so how can I even treat this story as a serious news story? And am I wrong that the news is just pure out? It, it is pure humor at this point. There's no way that that's a serious story. Fourteen trillion dollars. Right, here's another funny one. Um, <laughs> so Joe Biden. Uh, this is according to NBC News. Now remember, you have to know the players. So NBC News is considered maybe the least credible of the news entities. You know, often accused of being in the bag for the CIA or really just being a CIA news entity. I don't know if that's true, but they act like it. Uh, so they report that uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, has said a two-state solution is not impossible with Netanyahu in office adding that he believes the Israeli, Israeli prime minister could change his mind. So that's totally possible, that Netanyahu would change his mind about, oh, I don't know, the survival of Israel? <laughs> How is this serious? How in the world are we supposed to take that serious? You think Netanyahu is going to change his mind about a two-state solution because Joe Biden talked him into it? I don't think so. So, uh, as someone pointed out to me this morning, it looks like Biden has mentioned, uh, has entered what we call 
the fourth dementia. He's entered the fourth dementia. I didn't make that up, but it's very funny. All right. Um, so, so that's the good news. The good news is that Biden thinks that he can get Netanyahu to, to moderate and you know, maybe be a little, little less extreme. Let's see how that's working. Oh, another news. Uh, Israel just killed a bunch of uh, Iranian uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard leaders. Uh, where did they do that? In the Syrian capital of Damascus. Yeah. So there's uh, lots of evidence that Netanyahu is moderating. How in the world do we take Biden seriously? The two-state solution. Yeah, that's going to happen. If there's any states left when they're done. Well, what else is funny? Uh, Ian Bremmer's attending the World Economic Forum this week. And he reports that uh, the China, China delegation is gigantic. So China's going all in on the World Economic Forum. And they're... they're uh, apparently, the people they brought are working the crowd for Chinese investments. So China's looking for more foreign investment because their economy is not doing so well. And Ian Bremer reports that they're not getting the best reception to that because people are telling China that they are, quote, uh, not as investable as they could be. And they're a little more interested in India and maybe some other countries. So apparently the investment community has decided that they want to see other people, like India. So that's very, very surprising that China is not only too risky for business, but it's too risky to invest in. Who saw that coming since 2018 when I told you I was going to make that happen? But it's a total coincidence. So here's something I learned today. You want to have your head blown straight off? Do you know all that uh, fentanyl that's coming into America and killing people by the hundreds of thousands? And you know that the precursors are coming from China, and they go to the cartels, and the cartels finish it up and turn it into fentanyl and put it in drugs and kill Americans. But what I didn't know is that there's exactly one company in China that makes all those precursors, and he illegally sends them to the cartel. Let me say that again. America knows the name of the company and the location of the building, and there's only one, and all of the fentanyl comes from one address. And it's not already a smoldering crater in the ground. What is going on here? I mean, really. Do you think that I mean, I, Trump didn't fix it either. So whatever the problem is, Trump didn't fix it. I feel like I would give um, President Xi an ultimatum. <laughs> There's a building that's going to disappear in five hours unless you disappear at first. So you can bomb your own building, you know, g get your people out of there so that nobody gets killed. You can destroy your own building or there's going to be a mother of all bombs that falls on it. And if you want World War III... You got it. The, we're already in fucking World War III. I mean, they're killing over 100,000 Americans intentionally every year. No, if you want World War III, bring it on. I think it's time to just call the bluff. I think you need to just take that building out. 
Now, probably the reason we don't do that is that we're doing just as many fucked up things to China. And if China responded the same way, probably it would get way out of hand really fast. So there might be things that our government is hiding from us that might be a limitation on why they can't stop this problem. I feel like there's something we don't know, like at the base of it. But how much are you blown away by the fact that there's a specific building? We even have a photograph of it. We know where it is and what they're doing, and there's only one. And we let that stay in business, and we ask them politely to do something about it for the last five years. We've been asking them for five years to stop doing it. All they have to do is say, stop doing it, and it'll be over. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that that's exactly what it looks like, that there is some kind of corruption involved, because there's no way we can't make that problem go away, at least the precursor problem. Weird. But anyway, uh, here's my prediction. In the end, fentanyl is going to kill more Chinese citizens than Americans. That's my new prediction. In the end... Fentanyl will kill more Chinese citizens than Americans. Wow. Uh, and here's how that's going to happen. China is going to remain uninvestable as long as there's a fentanyl factory in China. And I don't know what that does to the Chinese economy, but being uninvestable for the next 20 years is not going to be good. And I would think that that level of economic... Um, destruction would probably kill more Chinese citizens in the long run. So here's what I think you need to do if you're an American business person. If you're investing in China, when you know that they have a factory making fentanyl precursors and sending them here, and all they have to do is say no and it would stop, and you're investing in China, you're my enemy. Right? If you're an American company and you're making a new investment, if you're already there like Tesla, that's a different situation. You probably have to hang out there. But if you're making a new investment in China, you are my enemy and, and mortal enemy. <laughs> I'm not going to kill anybody, but I would want you dead. Well, let me say it as clearly as possible. If you're an American CEO and you make an investment in this country that still has this fentanyl factory, <clears throat> I want you dead. I don't want anybody to kill you. I'm not in favor of violence. It's what I like. It's what I want. I'd like you to be hit by a car. I'd like you to fall off a cliff. I'd like you to take a, an overdose and die of an overdose. I want you dead. Right? So I don't want this to be, I don't want this to feel like an ordinary topic where I say, oh, I would like tax reform. You don't? Well, that's too bad. I wish I, wish I got it. No, it's not that. It's not like you, you want a different political candidate than I do. Oh, well, okay, you win this time. It's not that. No, if you're putting a new investment in China, I want you fucking dead. I want your cold fucking corpse laying on the ground. I don't care if you got, you're a good father. <clears throat> I don't care if you've been a great citizen up to that point. If you knowingly put one fucking penny into that evil fucking country. You are my enemy, and I'm not going to do anything. I mean, I'm not physically going to act against anybody, but I want you dead. I want you fucking dead. Is that clear enough? 
And I'd love to hear your name. If there's somebody making a new investment in China, an American, I'd like to know who you are. I'm not going to do anything, right? I'm not going to cause any trouble. But I'd like to know your name. I'd just like to know your name. All right. Uh, The Blackstone CEO, who's also at the World Economic uh, Forum, uh, Mr. Schwartzman, uh, he told the Davos crowd that uh, maybe the U.S. is not prepared for four more years of Biden's $2 trillion deficits, 8 million illegals per year, and debt-to-GDP ratio that's going out of control. That's right. Blackstone. Blackstone is not just a big financial entity. They are really big. (laughs) Uh, They are really big. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's Blackstone, not Blackrock. Um, Anyway, so, but the good news... Uh, the good news is that Biden is getting things done, right? So maybe there's these financial people like, uh, you know, maybe Jamie Dimon, who's starting to say Trump got some things right, and the Blackstone CEO is, didn't say anything pro-Trump, but he's not really pro-Biden, and there's likely to be one alternative. But on the good news, President Biden is getting some stuff done. So here's a news report of Biden getting some stuff done. He said himself in the post on X, he said, today, Prime Minister Netanyahu and I discussed efforts to secure the release of all hostages held by Hamas. Well, that's good. And we we reviewed moves to increase humanitarian aid for civilians. Oh, okay, that sounds good. Uh, While keeping military pressure on Hamas. Oh, that's good too. And I reiterated Israel's responsibility to protect civilians. So, while you were doing practically nothing useful, President Biden was discussing, he was reviewing, but on top of that, he was reiterating. So a lot of people would wake up and they don't have the energy that he has. You know, you, a lot of his staff is saying, oh, we can't even keep up with him. Like a lot of the staff, they'd wake up in the morning and they'd say, I barely have the energy to discuss and then there's the president. He's discussing, he's reviewing, and then he's reiterating. I'm like, oh my God, how does anybody keep up with that? So, and if you're trying to decide between Trump and Biden, should it be, come down to that? Um, I'm going to be honest. I like to say a lot of good things about Trump, but I don't know if he can keep up with this. On a good day, Trump is going to be, be maybe do some reiterating maybe a little reviewing, but I don't know if he's going to get any discussing done in the same day. Like, sometimes Trump will do two out of three at best. He'll review and reiterate. Sometimes he'll discuss and reiterate. But will he ever discuss, review, and reiterate? I don't think so. So that's why you need a Biden. He's like the energizer bunny of doing absolutely fucking nothing that we need done. But he can do it with the greatest energy and, uh, and completion. And I like his thoroughness, too, because a lot of people would have stopped with the discussing and reviewing, but he reiterated. Got that going for us. Well, it's getting harder and harder to compliment uh, Joe Biden as his uh, supporter, Jim Clyburn. Uh, he's one of the co-chairs of the campaign, said. Uh, so Clyburn said that the polls showing a drop in support for Biden among black Americans are misinformation. 
Do you know how Clyburn knows that the polls are wrong and support for black, uh, support by black uh, citizens for Trump, I'm sorry, for Biden is actually pretty good? Well, he said this. He said, I don't believe them talking about the polls because I talk to black people all the time. I have three black daughters. They tell me differently. So there you go. So you got the polls on one hand all say the same story, but um, as Clyburn points out, you cannot trust the polls because when you talk to black people, such as his three daughters, you know, they, they've got a whole different opinion. I've got an update. An update. Um, the update is two of, th two of Jim Clyburn's three daughters have just endorsed Trump. Okay. All right, well, that's embarrassing. No, that didn't happen, but wouldn't that be funny? His best argument is that he talked to his daughters. But wouldn't it be funny if two out of three said, mm, not so sure? It didn't happen, but it would be hilarious if it did. Well, uh, you know, if I said that Biden wasn't helping, that's not exactly true. He's getting a lot done, including uh, he gave some dating advice at a recent event. Um, and I've been working on my Biden impression, if you don't mind. I'm going to do some impressions today. I don't usually you do impressions. You know, but I feel like if you're a public figure, you should have at least a few impressions. So I'd like to give uh, Biden's uh, dating advice. And I think he said, uh, and I quote, That was pretty good, wasn't it? All right, but uh, the words I believe he said, uh, I consulted an interpreter and a psychic, and I think what he said was, I tell every young man that's telling me, I'm thinking of getting married, you have any advice? I said, yeah, pick a family with five sisters or more, because that way, at least one of them will love you. Um... What is he trying to tell us? You know, if I had a son who famously dated his dead brother's widow, I'm not sure my dating advice would be find a, find a wife who's got five sisters, but I don't know. It seems to be working for him. Uh, so I guess Biden's been... <laughs> I don't know, is, is he... Is he admitting to polyamory with the entire Jill Biden family? <laughs> I don't know exactly what he's trying to say here, but thank God we've got this man leading our country with his good advice. All right, but um, how is the world going under uh, Biden? Well, uh, New York Post says that uh, there's a trans golfer, Haley Davidson, who won a women's tournament. And he's, uh, which gave him a better chance of qualifying for the LPGA. So trans golfer Haley Davidson, congratulations. Uh, a good win. And, you know, I, I'd like to give a shout out to all the trans athletes who are winning in the women's sports now, um, especially in track and field. You know, I, I think it would be, you know, inappropriate for a trans athlete to be, let's say, a professional boxer. I mean, that feels like something you should prevent just to keep people safe. But, you know, golf is a non-contact sport, right? So, yeah, and I think track and field would be another one. Uh, 
So under Biden, um, you know, a lot of people criticize Biden, but at least he made the trans run on time. No? Anybody? No? <laughs> okay, that was a lot of work to get to that joke, and it wasn't worth it, was it? All right, now, um, so yes, so uh, in related news, uh, this uh, trans golfer, Haley Davidson, uh, he's, he's in the running to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So Sports Illustrated is interested in, in putting uh, <coughs> her on the cover. Oh, we have an update. We have an update. The entire staff of Sports Illustrated was just notified that their jobs were being eliminated. Well, that's probably not related. I'm going to call that a coincidence. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I have an update on this story, too. Got an update. Just come in. Um, they're, they're, it looks like they're going to sell the company, Sports Illustrated, and they're going to lean more towards uh, trans athletes on the cover because that worked out so well. And they're going to change the name from Sports Illustrated to uh, Bulge in Your Shorts Illustrated. Bulge in Your Shorts Illustrated. Anybody? No? Is that funny? No? All right, it's just, that's just unkind. That's just unkind. All right, it's not true. I'm making up the news today. Well, in other news, uh, Trump uh, confused Pelosi with... Uh, Nikki Haley, and when talking about the failure of uh, getting enough uh, security on January 6th, he said Nikki Haley when he meant Pelosi. Now, is that dementia? Are you worried about that? Well, you know, you, maybe you could be if you wanted to, but le let me tell you my take on this. I have a problem where uh, the way my memory works is it's not a photographic memory. I store things in buckets if they're similar. So my mind takes anything that's similar and puts it in the same bucket. And then it's confusing because you get all the similar things in the bucket. Is Nancy Pelosi similar to Nikki Haley? In my mind, kind of yes. <laughs> Weirdly, yeah, kind of yes. You see it, don't you? I'm looking at the comments. Most of you see it too. Now, obviously, it's a different political party, but you know, people accuse Nikki Haley of being too much of a you know, in the bag for a Democrat and stuff like that. So, I can totally see how you would pull one name out of the bucket instead of the other name because, in your mind, they kind of run together. So, I feel like it's more of that than any kind of mental decline. Although. At that age, you gotta you got, you got to be careful. All right. Um, the NFL announced that they're going to have uh, what they call the Black National Anthem performed at the Super Bowl. You know, it's good that we have a national anthem and then also a Black National Anthem because the the regular national anthem um, is really a call for unity. It's sort of a thing that you know brings us all together. And then the Black National Anthem is obviously a call for disunity. Um, and it just breaks even. So anybody who like doesn't like too much patriotism or they don't like too much disunity, if you have them together, they actually cancel out. It's like neither of them happened. So 
Uh, I'm totally in favor of this. You can't have too much patriotism, but you don't want too much disunity. So you put them together, and they it's just it comes to zero. Um, this next story, <clears throat> well, I'm going to have to bring in a special guest for the next story. All right, so excuse me for a moment. A quick uh, reward robe change, special guest. Uh, a special guest, are you ready? Can you, you know, yeah, no, put the tea down. Put the tea down. It's time to get on stage. All right, just, I only need you for a second. Just a minute, just a Oh, hello, this, this is Boris Johnson. Uh, Boris Johnson from Great Britain. And uh, I've got some things to say. Um, I'm going to say that the world would be more stable under Trump. And I'm going to mock the global wokerati for trembling so violently at the idea of Trump returning. Boris Johnson. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying... That doesn't look like Boris Johnson to me. That looks like Joy Reid of MSNBC. But you'd be wrong. This is Boris Johnson. I'm working hard on my impressions so that you could tell them apart more easily. But for now, it's a little confusing, I know. All right. So anyway, <clears throat> so Boris Johnson likes Trump, and uh, the Blackstone CEO likes Trump, and Jamie Dimon says Trump's okay. Who else likes Trump? Oh, Tim Scott just endorsed Trump. Tim Scott, okay. So we got the Tim Scott endorsement. Um, is there anybody else who likes Trump? Let's see. Oh, Charlemagne the God uh, says his listeners are fed up with uh, the migration issue and it looks like Republicans were right. So... Head of Blackstone, yeah, okay. Um, Boris Johnson, other countries, yeah. Uh, do you see a trend? Is there any kind of a trend developing here? I think it's a trend. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. So Charlemagne the God says that the black community he's talking to is very much uh, upset about the migration and the effect it's having on their community. But do you think immigration is really that bad? I mean, aren't we making a big deal about it? I mean, how bad is it? You know, Trump said that, you know, they're like criminal elements and stuff. Are you really worried about all these criminal cartel elements? I mean, how scary are they, really? See, the next story, uh, cartel leaves a cooler full of heads at a gas station in Mexico. Oh. The Daily Mail says, yeah, it was a cooler filled with uh, severed heads. Some kind of a message to a neighboring, uh, another cartel, it seems. A cooler full of heads. Now, am I the only one who wonders, how many heads can you fit in a cooler? Like, I know that's not really right on top of the main story, but I feel like it's left out and I would feel different if it were three heads versus, I don't know, what, what do you think would be the maximum head count for a cooler? Six? Six to eight? Yeah, and if it was only three heads, 
would they say it was a cooler full of heads? And like, how many heads would you have to put in a cooler before you could say it's full of heads? Like, if your cooler only had, you know, it was only filled up to halfway with heads, would that be an exaggeration to say, this cooler's full of heads? No, I feel like that would be hyperbole. What you should say is, there's like, like only half of this cooler is full of heads. They showed a blocked-down picture, and I swear it was only half, half full of heads. So if you're all worried about, oh, the cartel is going to come up here, you know, as soon as they come across the border, it's going to be like bad in America, will you stop being a pussy? This cooler was no more than half full of heads. If you're going to get like all, oh, half, half a cooler of heads, and you're like panicking over half a cooler, toughen up, buttercup. I'm going to need at least three coolers of heads full, no half coolers, before I even get engaged in this question. For now, it's all good. Half a cooler. I'd keep an eye on it, but it's nothing to worry about yet. All right. Uh, all kidding aside, here's my, <laughs> here's my prediction about immigration. Do you know how the public lived through the pandemic, and now we say, as one, okay, you fooled us once. You're not going to do that to us again. Because you know what? We're not going to forget the last pandemic. You can try, but you're not going to do that again. Now let's talk about migration and immigration. Look what Whoever, whoever's in charge, we don't even know who's in charge, which is weird. Look what they're doing to us. And I'm going to say doing to us. It's not a policy decision. There, there's nobody who decided that it should do this. They are fucking us. The citizens. Whoever they is, I don't even know who's in charge. But we are getting so screwed. And let me put it this way. I'm just going to say it once. We're not going to forget this. This isn't like the other stuff. This isn't like anything else. We're not going to forget that he opened the door. right? If you think that the Democrats can survive this as a political party, I think you're wrong. I think this is actually the end of the Democrats as a viable institution, maybe for a decade or longer. We're not going to forget this. This is not like the other things. You just open the door and let everybody in. It's not an opinion. It's not a difference in preference. Because you can see that the Democrats, who are not crazy, and the Republicans, we all agree on this. The, the country is very unified on this question. And we're not going to forget. The black Americans, they're not going to forget. Because you're fucking them hard. And everybody else is getting the same fucking. We're not going to forget. So in my opinion, I cheekily asked in a survey, how many more months of uh, unfettered immigration before the Republicans will have the White House, all of Congress, and the courts? And the answer is we're probably already there. I think we're already there. In my opinion, short of cheating, which I do expect to happen, 
Um, short of cheating, there isn't any real way that rip, um, Democrats could hold the House or hold any power in Congress. Um, I, th- I think the country's done. I think we're not going to forget. I don't think we're going to forgive, because you shouldn't. This is not a forgivable act. I forgive all mistakes. Actually, I forgive probably at least three-quarters of all the mistakes that were made in the pandemic. I actually forgive, as bad as they were. And I said that in advance, because we'd just be confused. If you make a mistake in the fog of war, I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to forgive you. Fog of war. Did the best you could. This is not anybody doing the best they could. Do you agree? (laughs) Nothing about the border situation is anybody doing the best they can. Nobody. Nobody even really trying. All right. Now, I'm not talking about the rank-and-file workers, but at the leadership level, nobody's trying. And they're not hiding it too hard. The fact that they're not hiding, they're not trying, is a whole different level of fuckery that we haven't seen. Yeah. <clears throat> Mayorkas said it's because of global warming. <laughs> Of course he did. Um, let me talk about Mayorkas. So Mayorkas is getting, you know, uh, grilled by, let's say, Representative Higgins says he wants to um, impeach him. Impeach him? I feel like that's a little light. Here's what you should do. You should check his finances right away. Because the only explanation that I can understand is that he is corrupt. I would check Mayorka's finances. Let's take a look at his bank account because I don't see any possibility that he's not corrupt. Now, I don't know that it would show up in his bank account necessarily if he's smart, but I think his finances need to be looked at because if somebody acts exactly like they're bought off by the cartel, you should check to see if they're bought off by the cartel. Now, I don't have proof of that, but if you have a public leader who acts exactly like they're corrupt and bought off by somebody specifically, you'd even know who did it. You wouldn't even have to wonder who the suspect was, right? Yeah. So, yeah, let's, let's look into his, uh, let's look into his finances. Because if he'd done some kind of a job that looked like he was just incompetent, I would say, all right, well, it's probably just a capability problem. But it's not a capability problem. It's not even close to that. Yeah, I'd look into his finances. It's time to do that. All right, so there's a xylazine proxy war in Philadelphia. What's that mean? So xylazine is that, I think it's the horse tranquilizer that people are adding to the fentanyl or something, making it even worse. So it's just a horrible drug. But apparently there's some kind of a proxy war because there are two Chinese entities creating the drug. And they're competing with each other. So one makes a liquid form that the cartels like because it's expensive so they can make more money. But a Chinese company also made a powdered form which would be so much less expensive that the cartels wouldn't make money. So apparently the way the cartels can wipe out the competitors is they just send a message with a dollar amount and the gangs just run and try to kill anybody they can to get the reward. (laughs) Just think about that. 
All China has to do to kill a drug dealer in Philadelphia is to send a message on Telegram or whatever they use. They, they do a picture in the name of the person and they put a price tag on it. And by the end of the day, gangs have all swarmed around and, and killed them to see who could be the first to, to collect the bounty. Allegedly, that's what's happened. So, yeah, China. Great job, China. So, the Fonny Willis story is funny. The, the, so, Fonny is, Willis is the uh, uh, attorney general, what is she? The, uh, she's the uh, Fulton County District Attorney. District Attorney, sorry. And she's the one who's having the affair with a married guy who was not qualified for the job of prosecuting Trump, but he got the job, and then he was way overpaid, and then he used some of the money that she way overpaid him to take her on a luxury vacation or two. So, as Mike Cernovich points out, and you should have seen this yourself, that is a classic money laundering scheme. I will overpay you if you kick some back. Now, here's the only question I have about this. So this is one of four court cases. Do I have that right? Is there, now, there are now four Trump-related legal jeopardies, right? Here, here's a question for you. Do you think that the prosecutors in all four cases have committed more or fewer crimes than Trump? Well, what do you think? Uh, I'll bet you if you looked into the financial lives of all the prosecutors, you'd find, you'd find crime. And the reason I say that is because we live in a blackmailocracy and a, and a, you know, a bribocracy. So probably everybody who's doing something sketchy is getting some extra money from somebody. So yeah, probably all of the prosecutors are dirty. I don't have specific evidence. I'm just saying that if you can get somebody to do something this messed up that they know is wrong from a legal perspective, probably it's not just Trump hatred. Probably somebody's got a promised promotion or is getting some money some indirect way or, or, they're, or they're blackmailed because they're dirty in some way. Yeah, Basically, every part of this is uh, bad. Yeah, we, I would expect something on Jack Smith, too. <laughs> I, I think there might be a Jack Smith story coming. Just a guess. Speaking of that, there's a story breaking, who knows what is true and what is not, that Nikki Haley cheated on her husband flagrantly before she was governor, and you know several different men, there was a lobbyist and somebody else. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but here's, here's the knowing the players part. So the thing you have to know is that uh, Reed Hoffman, um, very rich uh, donor to the Democrats, is backing Nikki Haley uh, financially, but also backing E. Jean Carroll's um, lawsuit against Trump. So one billionaire is making a is backing a, a sexual related case against Trump while the same billionaire is full-throatedly, at least with his money, backing Nikki Haley against Trump. And somehow, the Trump opposition research waited until now to dump this opposition research 
Now, I'm assuming it came from some Trump, pro-Trump area. You know, who else would it be? But do you think it's a coincidence that Reid Hoffman goes after Trump for this slimy sexual part of the, the story? You know, the least political part of it. And then Trump says, if you keep going after me, I'm going to take out your favorite with something on the, the same category. To me, this looks like mutually assured destruction. To me, this looks like, okay, if you're going to go after the sexual stuff, we're going to take out your candidate the same way. So it might be a coincidence. It might be a coincidence that there's a Reed Hoffman connection with you know, those two stories that seem somehow related to this new information. It might be. But the, the weirdest part is that they waited so long. Uh, and the funny thing is that the, the news says that, um, that Trump has said he wouldn't consider Nikki Haley for vice president. Now, I think the fact that this news just dropped <laughs> told you everything you needed to know about whether Trump was considering her for vice president because somebody on the Trump side of things dropped this probably with permission. So she's being taken out. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the, uh, the escalation has started. So to the extent that people believe the Democrats are trying to you know, rig things so that Nikki Haley somehow ends up the president, it looks like uh, there are forces that are going to make sure that doesn't happen. Now, my own opinion is I don't care what Nikki Haley did in her personal life. I, I can't be so hypocritical that I say I don't care what Trump did I don't care what JFK did. I don't care what Clinton did. And I'm not going to care what Nikki Haley did or did not do. And we don't even know if it's true, right? I'm not going to assume it's true. Um, so these things are not really related to their work performance. But if E. Jean Carroll is going to be part of the conversation, this is too. It's mutually assured destruction. And Trump didn't start it. <laughs> Trump didn't start the mutually assured destruction, but it looks like he paid it off. It looks like he paid that bill. Uh, there's a German newspaper, uh, <laughs> uh, Spiegel, that predicts unpredictable times for Europe if dictator Trump, they call him dictator Trump, wins the U.S. election. That's right. A German newspaper predicts unpredictable times. You know, that's so different than our past. You know what is weird about the history? It was all predictable. Yeah, because that's the way the news works. It's predictable. <laughs> why do we have news organizations? Why, why does Spiegel even exist as a newspaper if the news is predictable? Oh, I guess it's the first time we've ever needed a newspaper because now the news is not predictable because of Trump. You know what I say to that? Shut up, Hitlerville. Yeah. Shut up, Hitlerville. Um, if, if Switzerland would like to talk to us about our dictator, I'm open to that. Yeah, well, let's hear what you have to say. If uh, Sri Lanka says, you know, I'd like to talk to you about Trump, I feel like he's maybe a little dictatorish. I'd say Sri Lanka... I'm here for you. Let's, let's hear what you have to say. Maybe we can make you feel better about this. But if Germany decides to tell us that we're electing a dictator, shut up, Hitlerville. 
All right. Uh, Trump was deposed in one of these cases. I forget which one it was recently. And he was claiming he avoided nuclear holocaust with North Korea, saved millions of lives, and uh, wasn't really paying attention to whatever this dumb shit was that they're accusing him of. Um, yeah. So I think that's a fair, a fair claim. Glenn Beck has uh, apparently President Trump called him and asked him for his opinion on who he should pick for a vice president. What do you think about that? What do, you, what do you think about Trump consulting with Glenn Beck? And he wouldn't be the only one. Obviously, he's talking to other media people, other advisors. But what do you think about the fact that he asked Glenn Beck his opinion? A plus. A plus. Yeah. Number one, uh, who, who's got a better opinion of stuff like this? Right. I would ask Glenn Beck his opinion, too, if I could. Right? So he's the right one to ask. But he's not the only right one, because he's, you know, as Glenn Beck says, he's obviously talking to a number of people. But Glenn Beck's take is uh, Vivek all the way. He's the obvious choice for vice president. Now, I have, and oh, here's the other thing he says about Vivek. Uh, so Glenn Beck says that Vivek is like Trump, but with a photographic memory, and that Vivek would be the perfect, um, perfect person to have Trump's back because he can explain Trump better than Trump can explain himself, frankly. So I agree with all of that from Glenn Beck. Um, But here's the thing. I don't know if picking the vice presidency is about capability. In my lifetime, what candidate has picked a vice president who is capable? Just Clinton and Gore? I think that was the case. Yeah, Bush, yeah, Reagan and Bush, I don't know. Yeah, Bush, actually, Bush Sr. was a good president, so I'll give you that one. But uh, I'm not sure that capability is always the, the main thing. You know, often it's what the state or demographic or stuff like that. And here's the real question to me. Do you think Trump is confident enough to have a vice president that strong? Because it's really a confidence question. Because he would have to know that sooner or later he, uh, Vivek would say something that he disagreed with. And then, you know, would he be comfortable working that out? You know. Um, and he would have to know also that Vivek would be persuasive, you know, within the administration. Is he okay with that? I would be. I would be okay with that. Um, so this is sort of a test for Trump. I'm, I'm a little lukewarm on this for two reasons. I'm lukewarm on Vivek as vice president. Not that he wouldn't be the best choice, because he would be. But I don't know that it's good for him. Because it, it could be a, you know, sort of a, a death job. <laughs> you know, I'd hate to have him uh, have his potential extinguished by you know, having to be that close to the flame for four years. So that'd be a little dicey. On the other hand... Vivek is the best uh, assassination insurance, by far. So, I mean, having him there would make you feel a lot more comfortable about Trump's age. Let me say this about Vivek. If Trump lost a step, I think Vivek would tell you. Name anybody else who would. Think about that. 
if Trump lost his step and it became clear to the insiders, Vivek might be the only person in in the United States. <laughs> Not just the only politician, and he's barely a politician. He's probably well, Tulsi would too. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. I'll give you Tulsi. I'll give you that one. Uh, Tulsi's a strong choice, in my opinion. Vivek's a strong choice. I would trust both of them. Yeah, you got me on that one. I would trust both of them to tell the public if a change needed to be made. And that's sort of the ultimate compliment for honesty because there, there would be no higher challenge for honesty than to call out your own, your own boss in, in that specific situation. So you need somebody you can trust to do that. And that's a really high bar. But I would put Vivek above the bar. And I would put, I would put Tulsi ab- above that as well. I would trust both of them. All right. So, but we'll see if Trump is confident enough to have a vice president that is strong. Um, I think he is. So the, the thing I, I, I keep telling you, because I think at some point it'll be more obvious, Trump loves smart people. He's very consistent about that. And so that would presumably like Vivek extra, because he's the smartest one we've seen in a long time. So I think Trump is actually confident enough to have somebody that is strong in his administration. I think he is. So we'll see. Uh, Bill Maher says that uh, America isn't about le- right or left, it's normal versus crazy. And he had, a, he had a good routine about that. Now you agree with that, don't you? So this is a version of what I've been saying, that we're not dealing with left versus right anymore. We left that frame a while ago. We're literally dealing with bad shit crazy versus people who are at least trying. <laughs> you can disagree with them, but at least they're trying. You know, at least they're suggesting things that on paper make sense, even if they don't work. You know, maybe you have to test it. But yeah. So let's do the tour. Bill Maher, he's not obviously he's not a Trump supporter, but he is very much giving it to the Democrats and uh, if he didn't have a personal history with Trump, I do suspect that perhaps, uh, well, perhaps uh, he's not a supporter per se, but he doesn't seem to be super pro-Biden either. Then you got Glenn Beck and Vivek. You've got the Blackstone CEO. You've got Charlemagne the God. You've got Tim Scott. Do you see a pattern yet? <laughs> The the pattern is pretty clear. There, there doesn't seem to be any way that Biden could win the election. But I'm thinking more and more that he might make it. Why, why is everybody yelling Loomer at me in the comments? Did Laura Loomer do something recently in the news that I missed? Give, give me a hint. Just don't say Loomer, Loomer, Loomer. Just give me any kind of hint why you're saying that. Oh, for a spokesperson? (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't think Laura Loomer will be hired on the payroll, um, but she's a big Trump supporter. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, 
is my show for today. But the one thing you probably wondered is why can't I get a better Trump wig? Well, let's try this one out. Better? This one has more orange in it. Is this the one? No? <laughs> now, uh, but I also have to do my uh, impression. Now, let's see if I, if I do the Trump dance. Can I pull it all together? If you're, if you're just listening to it, you missed the greatest impression of the Trump dance of all time, if I do say so myself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I believe this is the, uh, the conclusion of the greatest show you've ever seen today. Thanks for joining. Sorry I was late with my own uh, lack of uh, ability to push the right buttons. But I'll see you tomorrow morning for another incredible episode of Coffee with Scott Adams. Thanks for joining.